we need more quality wholesalers out there to supply the rehabbers and the landlords that are out there looking for equity positions. But I look at wholesaling and I look at purchase options as the yin-yang of real estate. You really have to know both to be able to balance out your business. Before we get into today's episode, I want to mention today's best ever partner and give you a free gift. And that partner is Fund That Flip, and they're going to be giving you a free deal analysis spreadsheet. You know who Fund That Flip is, don't you? Because you're a loyal Best Ever listener. They've been a sponsor on the show. Matt Rodak, the founder of Fund That Flip, has been on the podcast multiple times, giving us his insight on the online lending process. Fund That Flip provides fast, reliable funding for your house flip projects. They're an online platform, makes the application process entirely easy, and they've got a whole bunch of experts on their team who can help you get funding in 24 hours and close within as few as seven days. And all of you best ever listeners, you're getting a free spreadsheet to help you analyze your projects. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. That's fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever, and you'll get a free deal analysis tool. It'll help you provide a scope of work for your projects, create the scope of work, analyze the profitability of the project, or if it's not profitable, you need to know that too, and make a determination on the max purchase price. Super important. You can print out all the detailed reports. And that will help you get your deals funded faster. Go to fundnetflip.com forward slash best ever. Get that free analysis tool, fundnetflip.com forward slash best ever. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate podcast. We don't get to any fluffy stuff. We only talk about the best advice that moves your real estate investing business forward. With us today, we got Sensei Gilliland. How you doing, Sensei? I'm doing great. Thank you, Joe, for having me on the show. My pleasure. Nice to have you on the show. And a little bit about Sensei. He is the CEO of Black Belt Investors. He has been featured on the cover of Real Estate Wealth Magazine. He's got over two decades of real estate investing experience. And he was honored as one of the top martial artists in the U.S. for five years in a row. So don't mess with him is the moral of that little one-liner. I just got this shirt someone gave me and says, never mess with an old man that knows karate. <laughs> there is something as such as true as old man strength. I know that. And then if they do know karate, then you better watch out. That's for sure. His website, blackbeltinvestors.com, appropriately named. With that being said, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Absolutely. I started back in 95 buying, fixing, and flipping properties out of state. I've always lived on the West Coast, and so I started my rehab business in the South over in Florida. And I started, like most people, you know, understanding buy low, sell high, fix it up, create the value, make some money. And with that, I parlayed right over into wholesaling purchase options. One of the older companies in California that offers turnkey investments nationwide. And really, my forte is wholesaling, purchase options, and rentals. You live in California, but you're doing a rehab business right out of the gate in Florida. How and why? (laughs) Good question. I was 25 years old and just got married. Didn't have a whole lot of money in the bank at all. I did have a business running at the time. It was crazy, I'll tell you. Back in 1995, I got engaged, moved in with my wife, got married, 
had a baby, bought our first home, rehabbed our first home, did a cash out refi, went over to Fort Myers, Florida and bought my first rehab all in the year 1995. Hmm. How'd you pick Florida? I mean, it's so far away. Why not Phoenix or something, at least a little bit closer? Yeah. Basically because being naive, not really know what I'm doing, except for having a little bit of basic knowledge going where it's affordable. So so basically someone told me, hey, you know, there's people buying, fixing, and flipping properties over in the Fort Myers area, and they gave me approximate purchase prices. It just fit my budget, made sense. I got on a plane, flew over there, put together a team, bought a probate for about $43,000, did a traditional loan through Bank of America in the local area put 10% down, had a little bit of money left over for seasoning, but I ran into one huge problem, and that is I didn't have the $17,000 for rehab. And so I did what the eight tracks told me to do, borrow against your credit cards. And so I pulled the money out of my credit card, and each and every month I transfer the balance from one card to another through this vicious triangle of three different credit cards, paid for my rehab, and next thing you know, nine months later, I'm receiving my check from the title company with a little over $9,000 in profits. So it was basically boiled down to affordability. Yeah, and someone just randomly telling you go to the <laughs> go to Florida. They've got cheaper houses. And that was it. Do you so, a... so was there some luck involved? Absolutely, because I tell people all the time, luck are for people that don't know what they're doing, and at that time it was all about luck. So you have a son or daughter? Yeah, I've got three kids now. All right, you got three kids. How old's the oldest one? 21. All right, 21. If that 21-year-old were to say, Dad, I want to invest in a deal. I don't have all the money, but I have a credit card and another credit card and another credit card, three of them, and he describes basically what you just said that you did, knowing that that first deal got you up and running, would you recommend that he follow what you did, knowing that that's what helped you get started, or would you have another piece of advice? Yeah, great question. My answer would be yo, yes and no. Basically, credit cards to me is like a hard money lender, typically better rates. So I don't mind that so much, but I am against borrowing. I run my business as a cash business. We don't have any debt against our business. And do we have to borrow money sometimes to purchase your home? Absolutely, because properties over here average about 700000 bucks for a rinky-dink house. So there is time to borrow some money, but the question would be is that if he came to me asking, hey, this is what I want to do. I want to get into a deal. I've got a little bit of money. I've got some credit cards. What do you think? I would say let's get some basic information so that you can make an educated decision. And if you do borrow money, do you have the means to pay it back? Don't borrow money and over-leverage yourself to where you can't pay it back and you dig a hole for yourself. So if that's what it takes to get started, then get started because I look at the credit card as a venture capitalist. Okay. So let's continue with that example. You said let's get some basic info. What basic info would you look to get in order to make that assessment? If you've got someone that wants to be an armchair investor, they just want to own some rental properties, they should have some basic information about the process of acquiring and selling properties, knowing the numbers just a little bit. They don't need to know everything about rental properties. And if you're going to be the rehabber, then I would say you're going to need a lot more of an extensive education because I'm a sink or swim type of guy. And so I tend to learn the hard way, but it would be so much easier if I did invest in myself 
take some time, get educated, take the formulas that I've learned, put them into action, see what works, what doesn't work, and start fine-tuning them. So I would not want a heart surgeon to operate on me if I ever had a heart attack if he didn't go to medical school and was not under the wing of another surgeon. Make sense? So for any student of mine or even my child, I would say, hey, let's get some basic information so that you can make that educated decision. Okay, so specifically, what is that basic information? If you're going to be rehabbing? Yep. So pretend that this 21-year-old, whether it's your son or whoever, is going through that same example that you went through on your first deal. What is that basic information that you need in order to, in your case, you decided that it did make sense to use your credit cards? So what information did you have in order to assess that? And you're asking for myself at that time? Well, just a hypothetical scenario. Okay. I did have some basic information. I watched an infomercial late at night. Why do they come in late at night? Most people don't have a job the next day. But So I was watching this information late at night. I went to the free seminar. Made sense. I saw my grandfather make a ton of money in real estate as he owned all beachfront property. It made sense to me. So I went and took that course, upsold me to another three-day course, upsold me to a bunch of seminars. They didn't call them boot camps back then. And a lot of it was junk and some of it was good, but it did give me that foundation to make an educated decision to move forward or not. It also gave me that basic foundation of know where to look for money, where to acquire properties, what clauses to put into a contract, how to evaluate a situation, how to work with professional services, and then ultimately how to market and resell that property without using an agent. And so when I felt comfortable with that, then that's when I actually took that next step and saying, hey, you know what? Forget the hard money lender. Let me just use my credit card because I got great rates. Mm-hmm. So is it less And not about- only that, back then, well, it was cool because back then you can take a credit card balance and transfer to another balance, another credit card, and never be charged a fee. Then they caught on to people like me, and they, you know, mm-hmm. now they charge you if you're going to transfer balances. Mm-hmm. So it was less about the actual deal itself. It was more about you having the foundational knowledge that you got through the seminars and the infomercials. Absolutely. And let me tell you why. I think everybody understands the concept. You buy a a junker, you fix it up, you increase the value through sweat equity, you turn around and retail it out, right? That's why reality shows are so sexy today. You paint that picture. Oh, I can do that. Okay, you've got that concept, you've got that infographic in your mind, but what about all the stuff that's in between? And that's where I was hesitant. Mm -hmm. And that's what I needed to learn to make a good decision to fly out to Florida, pick up my first property, move forward. I basically had to put my faith in front of fear at that time too. Mm -hmm. Now, knowing what you know now, let's fast forward all the way to today. What are some of those things, the in-between things that you just referenced that beginning investors wouldn't know because they haven't had a couple decades of experience. And I know there's a lot, but just a couple things that come to mind. I think if I were to sum it all up, it's probably just knowing that there is an unconventional way to be able to acquire properties and deals that can eliminate the risk or at least reduce the risk liability from a new investor or even a seasoned investor. You know, I started out as a rehabber. Rehabbers take on a lot of risk, right? They put their money out there. They got to put some money in the deal. They got to get their credit involved. They take title to the property. They're working with other professionals that have licenses. So you're carrying a lot of risk. But if you're going to be 
the supplier to a rehabber, like a wholesaler, then you eliminate all those risks because basically at that time you're just putting a property under a contract and then you shift the risk over to the next buyer. So that's one unconventional way you can flip a property without using any type of cash or credit, right? Mm -hmm. So I would say that there's ways, get away from the conventional thinking, become that archaeologist and start digging for unconventional ways because the conventional ways is where all the masses are. And typically when there's a lot of a mass of people, then you've got your competition. And I also tend to find that wherever the masses are, they're always wrong. So I'd like to veer off and go in the other direction and see, okay, where is less competition? What can I do that is different? Think of these big companies out there, multi-billion dollar companies like Uber that doesn't own a car. They're going in an unconventional way. Airbnb, they don't own any real estate. They've gone a totally unconventional way. And a real estate investor can do the same thing. If I didn't do what I do, which is I'm a multifamily syndicator, I certainly would look at wholesaling over fixing and flipping for the reason that you stated. And I've learned that over the course of the 900 or so interviews that I've done. So I I definitely agree with you there because of the mitigated risk. Now, one point I want to ask you about, though, is wholesaling is not unconventional and it is where the masses are. Because there's tons of wholesalers out there, and everyone knows about wholesaling. So what about what you mentioned is the unconventional part, just so I can clear things up in my mind? Sure. Well, most people come to me on the West Coast for wholesaling because there's by far I'm the number one wholesaler in California. And with that, we do have a lot of wholesalers, but let's clarify that. Let's really break that down. Do we truly have a lot of wholesalers, or do we have a wannabe wholesaler? See, people go to networking meetings all the time, pass around cars, say I'm a wholesaler. But how many wholesalers are actually out there doing deals is the question. And so we definitely have more rehabbers out there than wholesalers that are active. Because if you take a pie chart and you look at the percentage of real estate investors, your biggest slice is always going to be in buy and hold investors. Your next biggest slice is going to be rehabbers. And then everything else starts to fall in place. So we need more quality wholesalers out there to supply the rehabbers and the landlords that are out there looking for equity positions. But I look at wholesaling and I look at purchase options as the yin-yang of real estate. You really have to know both to be able to balance out your business. So the wholesaling side is all about the equity side, and that's what everybody wants. If you're going to be a rehabber, you have to have equity. If you're going to be a landlord like myself, I don't buy retail. I buy with equity already because we make our money on the purchase. So that wholesaler is going to need equity, and if it gets to a deal to where, oh my gosh, you know, it's just not enough equity in the deal, it's on the fence, or it doesn't have any equity in the deal, then what do they do? They pass up on that deal. But someone like myself can turn around and gobble it up because now I know the purchase options side. And for those listeners out there, purchase options would encompass lease options, sandwich lease options, subject to financing, land installment contracts. There's just a lot of different strategies that we can use to where we can pick up properties that lack equity, have no equity, or upside down in equity, still put those properties under contract and flip them out and make some money off of it. And that's where the masses are not. Yes, yes, So yes. You know, I love that. So I learned wholesaling first, and then what I discovered, gosh, you know, all these deals that I have that are just on the fence, but it's not making sense as a rehabber, who's picking up those deals? What can we do with them? And that's why I really started diving into the purchase option side, and it made me survive the Great Recession. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Wholesalers who are best ever listeners definitely need to learn this stuff because what you what you just said 
there's so many deals that I suspect wholesalers are passing on because there's just additional skill set they need to acquire in order to know what the heck to do with those properties that don't have as much equity in them. Great stuff. That's right. And Joe, you know, real estate is cyclical. So when the market's good, it's great for wholesalers and rehabbers. When it starts to shift into a retail side, those deals become a little bit more difficult. Then the wholesalers and the rehabbers tend to fall off. They go get their job back at Walmart, wherever it may be, and then they come back when the market's good again. And it's important that you have a balance in your arsenal to where, hey, if it doesn't work as a wholesale deal, I can definitely make a deal out of nothing and basically pull money out of thin air. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? Oh, God, I got a pocket full of those, but I'll tell you, never rely on one source of income. Mm. And let me relate that. So let's go back. I started out as a rehabber, made fantastic money. I flipped my way from Florida to Alabama to Texas to New Mexico, Arizona, and then finally got to the West Coast where I can start afford to buy properties here. But as I just mentioned, markets change, cycles are constantly on the move. And so I did not want to be that one linear investor where I only knew how to rehab. And so then that's when I picked up wholesaling. Now I can cherry pick my rehabs. The ones that didn't fit my rehabbing criteria, I can now outsource to another rehabber that just took a seminar somewhere else that fit their criteria. I'm cherry picking. What I just did is created myself two income streams. Now, once I got those two income streams up and running, I learned purchase options. And that built me on a third income stream. Everybody wanted to learn about what I was doing because they saw all the changes that were happening in my life for the better. And then that's where I started offering my educational courses, consulting course, and such back in the year 2000. There's my fourth income stream. Plus, I was offering rental properties. There's my fifth income stream. And I'm known as a serial entrepreneur because I don't just do real estate, although that is my main source of income but I also own other types of businesses out there. And uh, I find that if you like to have a balanced real estate portfolio, you also have to have a balanced income source. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure. All right, let's do it. First though, a quick word from our best ever partners. Remember to get your free deal analysis tool for your flips at fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. That's F-U-N-D-T-H-A-T-F-L-I-P.com forward slash best ever. It will detail your scope of work, help you analyze if the project's profitable, and make a determination on the max purchase price. Fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Best ever listeners, it is here. Well, it's almost here. February 24th and 25th. The conference, the best ever conference. Have you signed up yet? Oh, if you haven't, you better sign up right now. It's going to sell out. Besteverconference.com. I'm going to be there. A bunch of the guests who you've heard interviewed on the show are going to be there. Just go to besteverconference.com and look at all the speakers that you're going to hear from that will help you move your business forward in 2017. I want to meet you in person. The best ever guests who are speaking at this event want to meet you in person. And people who haven't been interviewed on this podcast who are speaking at the conference, they want to meet you in person. Go to besteverconference.com. All right. What's the best ever book you've read? Bible. Why? Because it has 800 references to money and over 2,000 references in regards to saving, earning, and spending. (laughs) That's a good trivia question. I wouldn't have guessed that. (laughs) Best ever personal growth experience and what'd you learn from it? Great recession. 
It opened up my eyes that I definitely need to get outside of the comfort zone, get out there and do different types of deals that I wasn't doing previous because it was more of a retail market. And back then, I run three real estate clubs here in Southern California. We had over 123 real estate clubs in Southern California. Recession hit. They boiled down to nine. Three of them were mine. Best ever deal you've done? Mm, Gosh, a lot. I would probably say help someone stay in their home. But no, you know what? If you're talking about profits, I'm going through it right now. I just picked up over 80 units in an apartment complex, bought a tax lien from a tax lien firm for $350,000. I didn't use any of my money. I borrowed it from a private money lender, promised them $100,000 back within a year's time. And I've got it going through. Now I'm foreclosing on it right now. I've got it pre-sold to someone else for $1.5 million. Run those numbers again by me. I was trying to write it down. I got a little confused. Yep, $350,000 tax lien that I purchased from a tax lien firm out of the area. Borrowed the money from one of my clients, promised him $100,000 back. So I'll be into it for four hundred and fifty. going through the foreclosure process. It'll go to auction. I'm hoping that no one buys that auction, but we're expecting it to be listed at auction, opening bid for about a million dollars. So worst case scenario, it sells for a million, and I make the difference between a million and 450000 If it doesn't get sold at the auction, then I've got a buyer lined up that's going to buy it for one point five, and no money out of my pocket. Best ever way you like to give back? I tithe through my church, and those monies go to help planting more churches, helping to feed and clothe children throughout the world. And what's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate so far? Not buying enough. What's the best place the best ever listeners can reach you? Blackbeltinvestors.com, 951-280-1900. Well... The yin and yang analogy certainly resonated with me because there's a lot of wholesalers and I suspect a lot of them also don't have the skill set honed as well as they could in order to know what the heck to do with properties that don't have the equity because there's a lot of opportunity there and there's a way that you can develop, as you said, those multiple income streams. So thank you so much for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Hey, Joe, appreciate it so much. Thanks again. Best ever listeners, it is here. Well, it's almost here. February 24th and 25th. The conference, the best ever conference. Have you signed up yet? Oh, if you haven't, you better sign up right now. It's going to sell out. Besteverconference.com. I'm going to be there. A bunch of the guests who you've heard interviewed on the show are going to be there. Just go to besteverconference.com. And look at all the speakers that you're going to hear from that will help you move your business forward in 2017. I want to meet you in person. The best ever guests who are speaking at this event want to meet you in person. And people who haven't been interviewed on this podcast who are speaking at the conference, they want to meet you in person. Go to besteverconference.com.